This is an RNZ podcast. Auckland's Medical Officer of Health fears it's only a matter of time before the disease kills. The fatality rate is about one in a thousand, but that doesn't mean you have to reach a thousand before someone dies. Someone could die at, at, at any time of this. It just means the more numbers, the more likely it is that um, there will be a fatality. A stark warning there from Dr William Ranger on News Hub at 6 earlier this week amid the biggest outbreak of measles here for more than 20 years. The swelling number of cases prompted the government to fire up the National Health Coordination Centre last weekend when the front page of the Herald on Sunday was covered in 937 angry red blotches, one for every New Zealander known to have picked up the measles since March. Inside the paper, Starship Children's Hospital head Dr Mike Shepherd warned that children could die and he hoped the information in the Herald on Sunday and elsewhere would inspire us all to work together to eliminate the threat of measles. And in a minute, we'll look at all that. But by Sunday afternoon, it was the government's response to a different disease which had also hit the headlines. The announcement has come out, the details have come out of the government's independent cancer agency. And to explain more, joining us now is Health Minister David Clark. Thank you so much for joining us. No, pleasure, Tim. David, let's imagine I've, I'm diagnosed with cancer. How will my care change on a day-to-day basis under this new regime? Well, uh, we've made a number of uh, announcements today about the changing nature of cancer care in New Zealand. There were several facets to the government's long-awaited cancer policy strategy, as the health minister David Clark there told Newstalk ZB's weekend collective show last weekend. But the media, as they have in the past, focused overwhelmingly on two things, the available budget for super-costly new cancer drugs and an independent cancer agency to tackle the so-called postcode lottery, variations in cancer care delivered by different DHBs around the country. And in response to the government's announcement last Sunday, we heard a fairly familiar range of voices in the media on the issue. One was a terminally ill sufferer from Southland, Blair Vining, who featured on RNZ News at 8 last Monday morning like this. Since January, Blair Vining, who has terminal bowel cancer, has campaigned for a plan and an agency to drive improvements in care. He says the release of the plan shows it was worth fighting for. And the same morning, Blair Vining was on TBNZ's breakfast show, welcoming the Cancer Action Plan and the new Cancer Care Agency. Both governments, you know, they're both scrapping over it, so that's really good to see that they both really care about cancer. There was also approval from the plan that morning from Newstalk ZB's Mike Hosking. Can there be many critics of what the government has done on cancer? If it doesn't work, we'll hear about it, of course. But as it sits today, it's about bloody time, don't you think? But there were critics, those who have called long and loudly in the media for much more public money for costly cancer drugs. And none has been louder than Duncan Garner, who has used his AM show on 3 and the radio station Magic Talk as a kind of personal pulpit on the issue. Truth is, 60 million bucks over two years for new drugs. It's piddly. It's actually disappointed it may not even go to cancer drugs. Pharmac needs to double its budget. On his show last Monday, Duncan Garner interviewed Professor Diana Sarfati, the cancer epidemiologist who's been appointed as the Interim National Director of Cancer Control, and he gave her a fair hearing, during which she reminded him it's not all about the drugs. If you look at a combination of early diagnosis, radiotherapy and surgery, those three alone are responsible for 80 to 90% of cancer cures and, 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 and control. So I'm looking at that. 
Professor Safati went on to explain that the two-to-one expenditure in Australia wasn't really apples with apples because Australia pays much more for its medicine because it has no pharmac to keep the cost down. But that didn't change Duncan Garner's hostile tune with the Health Minister David Clark later on. Why are they the more generous than us, um, though, David? Duncan, why, why can't we, we keep up with Australia? In no, no, bugger Duncan, it. Why can't we keep up with Australia, David? Um, Duncan, we're very focused on making sure we put the money uh, into the different range of services that are available because we know the biggest changes will be made in prevention and screening. We also know that those linics which we've put into the regions, uh, $25 million announcement between so those why machines can't we where do, people why are, can't we do what Australia will make does. a big difference. So w- not, w- not we, drugs and not the whole picture, garbage. Duncan. Duncan Garner followed up that challenge with this one. Why are you ignoring my question? Why can't we fund New Zealanders' cancer like they do to Australians with Australian in Australia, Duncan, we, we are increasing uh, the funding for drugs and we will continue to increase the funding for drugs. So there's a greater chance of still surviving in Australia than there is here in New Zealand. Uh, well, that's a I fact, think isn't quali- it? But that's not actually a fact for many cancers. In spite of not spending as much per head as Australia, the major international Concord 3 study found that New Zealand was in the top five countries in the world last year for survival rates for common cancers. The UK, which has the kind of cancer drugs fund that Duncan Garner has called for, is not in the top five along with us or Australia. The government's Cancer Action Plan document released last Sunday has good news on this. Our overall cancer survival rates are improving, it says, and that's down to a combination of better diagnostics, more timely diagnoses and more effective treatment. And treatment doesn't just mean new pharmaceuticals. It also means new surgical techniques and new radiotherapy options. The Cancer Action Plan concludes... New Zealanders can expect that we will manage most cancers long-term as chronic, but treatable diseases. Which doesn't chime at all with Duncan Garner's claim in the Dominion Post back in July, if you have cancer, prepare to die, because New Zealand sucks. Last Monday, Duncan Garner also spoke to the campaigner Blair Vining, who told him the minister is on the right track. But Duncan Garner didn't agree, even when challenged by his own colleagues on the show. Why was he average? Probably because you've poo-pooed it all morning, so he thought he was coming here with this wonderful big announcement that people were going to get behind him, and you slammed him for it. So he's thinking, just telling the truth. I was just telling the truth. I was peeling back the layers of crap and just telling people how it really is underneath it all. And co-host Mark Richardson then weighed in with a kind of party political statement on behalf of the National Party. We've learned from our mistakes, and we will, we will get the hits next time round. I'm telling you right now. National did virtually nothing. It um, doesn't Mark, matter. We've we've come up with. Doesn't matter what we did. It's what we're going to do. And I think the fact that one that they're they're going to have an independent agency, I think, is is, is a step in the right direction as well. Mark, our poll today: scones or muffins? What do you prefer, muffins uh, or scones? Yes yeah. or no? Seventy-one percent of people uh, like scones, as opposed to twenty-nine percent would prefer muffins. Can I just? Um... So it's not always the politicians adding what Duncan Garner called layers of crap into the public debate about cancer. Now, after all that, live on air on Monday, the headline on his website piece was $60 million for new cancer drugs is piddly, even though, as we've heard, Pharmac's funding boost isn't all earmarked for cancer drugs. Indeed, that was his first question to the Prime Minister the next day on the AM show. And you're also saying that there'll be some great outcomes for cancer patients as a result. How can you say that when you're not sure how much of the $60 million is going to cancer drugs? Um, because Pharmac have told us... And-
In his report on the policy announcement for newsroom.co.nz, political editor Sam Sashdeva said the new strategy is unlikely to stop what he called the impassioned campaigning of those who believe Kiwis are being shortchanged. But Sam Sashdeva said there's a lot more to the plan than cancer drugs. It emphasises prevention, things like vaping to reduce levels of lung cancer and more sun safety promotion to tackle high rates of skin cancer. And while Duncan Garner was sounding off at the Minister on three, John Campbell on TBNZ's Breakfast Show reckoned the National Cancer Action Plan will bring previously hidden regional discrepancies to light. Because DHBs were hinding behind. They were they, they, you, trying to get the, the southern DHB to front on the urology department, on their failures and prostate cancer care and their failures and bowel cancer. It was almost mission impossible. Now there's nowhere to hide. She will know the numbers and she will be on to them, at least in theory. Now in the Breakfast Show studio at that time was Efeso Collins, Pacifica community leader and Auckland councillor. And he made the point that the action plan also aims to even out cancer survival for Māori and non-Māori by 2030. Yeah, well, when it comes to cancer, obviously it reaches many of us, and uh, so there's a whole lot of pain. But what we're seeing now is the data emerge around how it it disproportionately affects poorer families, which are predominantly Māori and Pacific. Look, there's uh, Dr Hawa, I think her name is, wrote an article about how if you're Māori, you're 20% more likely to get cancer. You're going to be diagnosed late, you're going to be checked late, there's going to be late treatment. And so everything's happening later. So in other words, those regional differences are only part of the inequity. Within DHB regions, poorer families and Māori and Pacifica ones suffer much more from cancer as things stand. But that's not a point that was widely explored in critiques of the so-called postcode lottery. Nefeso Collins went on to point out that the same applies to the other health emergency currently preoccupying the media. I know our conversations are around cancer, but you look at the measles uh, outbreak that's happening at the moment, where's it predominance? It's in South Auckland, it's amongst Māori and Pacific. That's where we've got it. So we know that this data exists. And that data is crucial to the tale of how the measles has spread since last March. Staff data journalist Andy Fires and reporter Michelle Duff crunched the numbers impressively to explain falling vaccination rates and the incidence of what's been called vaccine hesitancy, the reluctance or even refusal to vaccinate even where vaccines are readily available. Misinformation online is a factor in this, they said, and... The most vulnerable, experts say, are increasingly targeted and swayed by fake science and misinformation. Our social networks could save us, or they could cost us lives. But they concluded that it's not just a clutch of anti-vaxxers operating online who are responsible for that. Michelle Duff and Andy Fires also tracked and visualised the problems of poverty and access to vaccines to explain the apparent loss of herd immunity to measles and the consequences now that we have an outbreak centred on Auckland but economic deprivation doesn't tell the entire story either, they said. Vaccination rates are dropping across communities, irrespective of income they found. And a similar investigation by the Herald's data specialist Chris Knox and reporter Kirsty Johnson drew a similar conclusion. A Herald analysis of immunisation data finds just 77% of six-months-old are now getting their vaccines on time. While the debate has been centred around the impact of the anti-vax movement, the numbers paint a different picture. Other media also produced valuable and informative articles to explain how the sudden spread of a disease that doesn't seem to scare us anymore has now put kids in danger and our herd immunity out to pasture. By and large, the media did a good job at getting to grips with a complicated situation and communicating a clear picture of it. It's a shame the same can't always be said of the coverage of cancer, where other people's lives are also on the line, and opinions can also drown out the news we could really use.